Are you looking to improve employee engagement and retention? Do you struggle with decisions on who to hire or who to promote? I have an amazing opportunity for a forward-thinking, purpose-led, people-first organisation to work with me on the first pilot Happier at Work programme for corporates. The programme is entirely science-backed and you will have tangible outcomes in relation to employee engagement, retention, performance and productivity. The programme is aimed at people leaders with responsibility for hiring and promotion decisions. If this sounds like you, please get in touch at Aoife at happieratwork.ie. That's A-O-I-F-E at happieratwork.ie. You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Happier at Work podcast. This is the third in a series of special episodes to celebrate reaching 100 episodes of the podcast, which is still something I'm finding a struggle with trying to get my head around. Today's episode is very special in that I am being interviewed for the first time on my own podcast. I have been featured on several other podcasts, well, several, I've been on 20 plus, I think, podcasts at this stage. Uh, Really enjoy being interviewed and I kind of talk mostly about the business, whereas this is slightly different in that my lovely, I was going to say my lovely guest, but actually he is the host of the podcast today, Cahill Quinlan. He is based in Sydney. We connected on LinkedIn a few months ago. We had a really wonderful conversation a few weeks ago and I felt he really got me. He got my business. Uh, Cahill is Irish, but as I mentioned, he's based in Sydney and his background, he worked in Goldman Sachs in London, in New York, and he worked in Westpac in Australia for uh, quite a number of years as well. Um, We cover a lot of ground during the podcast. It's over an hour, but I really do hope you enjoy it. I think it's something that might be of interest if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. I talk about things like uh, my journey, my professional journey, my purpose and how it has evolved over time. I talk about happiness at work and what makes me happier at work. I talk about what I do, how I help companies and where the business is going and this huge opportunity I see as well. I do talk about a lot of things that I haven't previously talked about on the podcast. Uh, So if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about me, about my business, then definitely stay tuned in and uh, listen, listen out for that. If we're not already connected on social media, I would love to connect with you there. I'm mostly on LinkedIn these days. Uh, Aoife O'Brien, that's A-O-I-F-E, O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N, or Instagram. Instagram, I'm uh, happieratwork.ie, which is the same as the website. You might have heard me mention before that I took all of the the uh, social media apps off my phone. So I may be a little bit slower to respond than normal. And I'm hoping to to keep it that way for the foreseeable future. As always, I'm going to do a wrap up at the end and summarise some of the key points that we talked about on the podcast. And I would absolutely love for you to stick around for that. And let's connect. Now I'm going to hand over to my lovely guest host for 
this week's episode, Cahill Quinlan. Cahill, you are very welcome. Thank you for being my host and my question answer. And I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know if you're not a bit, I can tell I'll you're not stop. a bit nervous. You're like, oh my God, I'm handing over the power. <laughs> I'm so delighted to be here, Aoife. Thank you so much for inviting me along. Um, I love your podcast, of course, Happier at Work. Absolutely. A big fan. So I am delighted you've asked me to do this. So thank you so much. Um, Aoife asked me to do a quick intro to myself. I'm Cahal Quinlan. I have been working for 20 years in corporate jobs, started my career at Goldman Sachs in London, stayed there for about 10 years in a variety of different jobs, uh, loved it there, and then came to Australia about uh, nine years ago, uh, worked for a large uh, retail bank here called Westpac, did a lot of work in transformation, employee engagement, innovation, and now I'm doing my own thing and uh, do go into companies and help with problems they've got. And I'm just about to launch a podcast as well. So I'm very excited to be here. So Aoife, it's now, this episode's all about you. I'm in the this, hot seat today, Carl. You're in the hot seat. <laughs> I know lots of people are going to be very interested. I've got a few questions here. And don't worry, there's no there's no clangers here. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're going to get, it's going to be a nice gentle ride through our questions this afternoon today this morning my time I might add that Carl is actually in Sydney so early morning my time afternoon evening Carl's time yes and for anyone in Ireland that thinks Sydney has beautiful weather we have had rain 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 it's pitch dark here and it's four o'clock in the afternoon so don't be jealous of Australia today I can tell you it is certainly not a beautiful day in (laughs) Australia it's reminding you of home Carl it's definitely reminding me of home. I've even got an old cup of tea here, so I'm all set to go. <laughs> well, Eva, why don't we start with, um, I gave a little bit of my background, but let's hear about your background. How did it all begin for you from a work-wise perspective? Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I in college, actually, let's, let's jump back to college. In college, I studied international business with uh, Spanish and German. I took up... Uh, I had done German in school for my leaving search and I took up Spanish as they called it then an ab initio language. So I learned it from scratch, basically, uh, for four years. And I spent a year of that in on Erasmus over in Barcelona, which I absolutely adored. And I somehow missed a lot of the, as they call them here, the milk rounds, you know, when you kind of go for these graduate roles. And I somehow missed uh, a few of those. I think I wasn't really paying attention too well. What you were was too busy on. in Barcelona. <laughs> too busy. Well, I was home by that stage now. Um, but in terms of how I got started, you know, kind of doing or how my career has evolved, I um, I think the first kind of, let's say, proper job I had was in uh, category development. And that was on the road, essentially using category data to sell extra product. Uh, and at that time I was working for an alcohol company. So we're selling more beer into various supermarkets, independent off licenses, but using data. And that sort of evolved into, um, uh, I got to a stage where I was like, why is no one going to London? (laughs) And I I feel like maybe I was waiting for someone to grab me by the hand and say, come on, Aoife, let's go over to London. Because 
I think one of the things I didn't realize, but not everyone has the same kind of ambitions or desires in life. And for me, that was something I always wanted to do. London compared to Dublin seemed like the big smoke and Mm. always wanted to live there at one point. So uh, I think I was 26 or 20, maybe 27 going over to London. And when I told my friends, they're like, oh, it's wow, you've been talking about that for years. It's about time you did that. So I went to London and I got a job with a company at that time called TNS World Panel. They're now called, uh, sorry, they changed to Kantar World Panel, but now I think they're World Panel by Kantar, which sounds a lot fancier, a lot sexier. Um, But I, I intended to stay in London for about a year and then earn a bit of sterling and head on over to Australia. And what I ended up doing was staying in London for three and a half years. I loved my job. I loved London. Uh, you know, I just had a brilliant time. But where did you live in London, Nifa? Where did I live? Yeah. I lived uh, I lived in Ealing with my aunt for the first nine months and then I lived in Shepherd's Bush or Shebu as the cool kids call it. Um, so close enough to White City and I worked out west so I was taking the tube every day but I was going against the traffic and I have to say I loved taking the tube. I know a lot of people are like oh the tube it's so horrible it's awful. I absolutely loved it. I loved taking the tube every day. Um, it was one of my highlights of London just the excitement of it and being on the tube. It all sounds a bit funny people now. People watching. But yeah, people watching, uh, picking up the Metro, um, you know, the free newspaper that they have on the on the tube, catching up on the celebrity gossip and the various different things, that were, the free events that were going on and, and things like that. Um, now, I made the decision and at the time you had to apply for your Australian visa before you turned 30 and then you had a year to use it. So so I headed on over to Australia. You know, I, I think I arrived when I was about 31 after travel all around Southeast Asia for about six months. And I got into Perth thinking, oh, I'm going to keep on traveling. But actually, it was such a relief to have somewhere to uh, hang up my clothes, to have a real towel rather than a travel <laughs> towel after six months of using that. And so I decided to stay in Perth and I got a job as a uh, recruitment coordinator. And, it, you know, this is something I'd never done before. It was very scary. But I must say, again, I absolutely loved my job. I loved the company. Uh, it was just brilliant. It was really like a family atmosphere. The role was very kind of process driven, but you're dealing with people all the time as well. So it was something that I, you know, I really felt like I was playing to my strengths. I could go in there and be like, right, OK, so how how can we make this more efficient or how can we do this a little bit better? Do you think you are you naturally just a happier, happy kind of person anyway? So when you go into these jobs, you you know, these first few jobs you've just talked about, it seems you've, you know, you've loved them. You've loved the experience. It's so infectious to hear this. It's it's so it's so funny you say that because maybe I took that for granted, Cahal. Maybe I just assumed that this is what work is like and I'm going to love every job I have. But then, you know, let's say the tables turned slightly with, with another role that I had where... Um, I got in there and uh, this was in Sydney and and I loved the people that I worked with and I loved the role that I was doing, but I definitely felt overloaded with the amount of work that I had mm. and the 
the leaders were making all sorts of promises to me, like, oh, you're going to be a director. What kind of director do you want to be? And then uh, one of my peers was promoted to be my manager. And the entire situation was just like, yeah, it just, I think within a couple of months, I, I felt like I was up to speed with everything that was going on. There were other people coming to me, asking me questions, but they'd been at the organization for longer. So it was like, it was a really kind of strange situation to be in. On the one hand, getting, I felt like I was being recognized by my peers as someone, as the go-to person, but on the other hand, not being recognized mm-hmm. by leaders and having, um, you know, someone who had never managed anyone before to be my manager when I'd been promised to be one of the directors. So it was just a very strange situation. And I felt like I was being micromanaged as well. So um, I, after they had sponsored me, they paid me a high salary. I left within less than 18 months, actually, of joining that organisation. And, um, you know, for me, it was it kind of tainted a lot of Sydney. Like I, yeah. we were chatting before we, we started recording. I left Sydney. It would be 10 years ago this year and I haven't been back since. And, you know, that wasn't my intention. I had intended to go back to visit at some point. But um, like I sort of see that as the start of planting the seed of what it is that I do now. So mm. what I want, you know, I. Uh, I was questioning a lot of things that really knocked my own confidence until very recently, I have to say. I think it 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 it, it um, impacted on my own confidence and my self-esteem in the work that I do. And in terms of like the, the seed for what it is that I do now, I was asking questions like, well, what could I have done differently to yeah. manage my career better? What could I have done differently to avoid going into mm-hmm. that situation? But equally, as an organisation, what could they have done differently yes. to manage me better, to support me better, you know, uh, to not lose me, having sponsored my visa, having paid me a high salary, having me leave with all of that knowledge that I gained quite quickly within the organisation. And for me to just leave in less than 18 months, that obviously costs them a lot of money. So I suppose I was looking at it from both perspectives and, and that was the kind of seed planted. Now that, you know, it's kind of been germinating over yeah. time, over the last 10 years or so um, to, to where I am now. But I, I um, travelled some more then. So I left Australia. I travelled around Australia after I left that job. I travelled around uh, the States. So I flew to visit friends in, um, sorry, I went to Fiji first and then I visited friends in in New Zealand. And then I went to Hawaii and I met up with some family in Hawaii, um, including my parents. My parents came over to visit Hawaii wow. as well. And then I went to, uh, flew to San Francisco from Hawaii, stayed with family there and I rented a car and I drove down Highway 1, which was incredible. Um, although I needed definitely longer than the two days I gave myself. Uh, just incredible scenery there. Absolutely. And the perfect time of year to go. I went around October time. Um, I think in summertime, it tends to be quite foggy, uh, but October is just absolutely stunning, beautiful weather. Um, So I travelled a little bit more around the States. This was around the time that um, Obama was uh, coming into power for the the second time uh, against Mitt Romney. He was, um, yeah, travelled around Canada as well, Uh, ended up in New York for Thanksgiving. Um, So I was there and then went up to Christmas as well. So I travelled a little bit around the East Coast. And then I came home for 
yeah, came home to Ireland for Christmas. But would you believe the return flight from New York to Dublin was actually cheaper than the one-way flight? So I decided to book a return flight, came back to New York after Christmas, went down to visit a friend in Miami and then spent five months travelling around South America, including a trip to Antarctica and the Galapagos Islands. So... Well, that, that was job absolutely. In, th- thank God for that job in Sydney. It must have paid well because you were traveling. <laughs> you, you remember you, the charmers, that woman I from tell you, Cahal, you here. You were all over the place. <laughs> I tell you, Carl, the um, people thought that I had won the lottery mm. because I was traveling so much. But yeah. now I'll, I'll have to say, like, it's not as if I was staying in hotels. I was staying no, in I hostels. I, I was I, living out of a yeah. backpack, you know. I was doing it on the cheap. They're not expensive countries to travel in no. either. So, um, yeah, but I did. I said, you know, I'm a saver. I tend to save my money and then I spend it on things that I that I think are, are really, well, really it important. Was probably, it was probably timely posts, like, you know, for anyone that has had a tough job or a micromanager. Yeah. I've certainly experienced yeah. that myself and for the listeners Aoife and I have chatted about that you know and it, it is a very stressful time and you almost have to wash it out of your system once you've worked yeah. for someone like that and Absolutely. I actually think fair play to you that you went off and you went and did this and just had had some time and how nice that you had those memories with your family and everything and you got to yeah. meet your family I yeah. think it's great yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it really, it really was incredible. So I ended up back in Dublin then and that's coming on nine years now. And it's hard to believe because at the time I was thinking, you know, as I was traveling through South America, will I go back to London where I had come from prior to moving to Australia? Will I go back to Dublin where I'm from? Or will I go to New York, which is something I've always wanted to do. I've all, and we've talked about this as well. Yes. And I'm so jealous of your time in New York. <laughs> um, but I wanted, it, it's still something I want to do. And um, and actually having done a master's recently, I was entitled to apply for a visa to work in the States, which I would have loved to have done. But with COVID and everything, there's just the timing. They had stopped doing the visas. The timing didn't really work out very well. So if anyone is listening in New York and would like to, you know, invite me over, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say give me a job. But like, you know, I have a job running my own business. Um but it really is something I have always wanted to do and I'll, I'll find a way to, to do it at some point. So um, I ended up back in Dublin and it, it's only upon reflection now and what I'm learning now. But I was out of work. I had stopped working in June of the prior year and I started working again in October. So, you know, what's, you know, that's a a year and four months, essentially. It's longer than the average maternity leave. And I was coming back into the workplace. And like I say, I hadn't really given a consideration, but I really needed a transition period. I needed someone to support me through that. And I didn't really feel that, but I didn't also, I wasn't aware that I needed it either. I was just trying to get back into the swing of things, trying to get back into routine, uh, trying to bring all of this global experience that I had and apply it into this um, global organisation, but in Dublin. Um, And, you know, anyone who works in Ireland in sort of a, uh, you know, in a multinational company, the Irish is, I feel like the Irish branches or whatever you want to call it the Irish subsidiaries always tend to be the forgotten ones or that's yeah you know it's part of the UK or something they're a little bit smaller a little bit more insular um 
But the same sort of thing, not exactly the same thing happened, but I felt like I loved my job and then I didn't love it so much anymore. And then I loved it again and then I didn't love it so much anymore. And, you know, I think eventually when, by the time I got to the stage where I decided to leave, it was there was a few things going on for me. But the, I think the main driver of it was that I wasn't working to my strengths. And I have kind of touched on this on the podcast before where I... Um, this was in Dublin, was it? Um, this was in Dublin. And what yeah, was the yeah. job you were doing in Dublin? Uh, I what the, I got promoted a couple of times, actually, in that role. So I worked in that role for four and a half years Um I'm like, am I allowed to say the name of the company? I'm not sure. I'm sure some well, people listening even, even know even if you tell, <laughs> tell, us, um, tell us what kind of work you were doing in the company. Yeah, absolutely. And it, do you know what? The, when I started there, I was doing work that was similar enough to what I had been doing in London and in Sydney. And that was account management for... And I, do you know what? I never even talked about that, did I? So no. I was doing account management for um, market research firms. So uh. analysing data, managing clients business development, delivering presentations, like all of that really great stuff. And I loved it. And, you know, I, I, I started doing that when I was in London. I continued doing that when I was in Australia and then coming back to Ireland. I think the data maybe wasn't as interesting as when I had worked in London and also in Australia. But, it's, you know, similar enough role. And then I was promoted to be a manager and then I was again, you know, offered this position. Um, and this is kind of where I see things started to fall apart slightly, where I had the option to continue doing something and work into my strengths in, in analytics and the analytics yeah. team and very much focusing on that or to be on the leadership team, but in an area I was less interested in and maybe less good at as well. And of course, you know, the ego is like, oh, the leadership team, of course you want to be on the leadership team. And so I took that opportunity, which probably wasn't necessarily working to my strengths. And I'm the kind of person, I want to do a really good job. I want mm -hmm. to do an excellent job. I'm highly ambitious. And if I'm not able to do that, or if I'm not supported to do that, if I'm not working to my strengths, then it really kind of hampers me. So, um, yeah, that's where I did that for, I think, about a year and a half or two years before I made the decision, like, this is not for me. And it kind of then got me thinking of, OK, so if this is not for me, do I want to stay in the organisation? Because it's a global organisation. I could have got something. I could have got a global role. And um, my boss was really supportive of that. You know, he was saying, oh, well, you could. But it maybe sort of start questioning everything. And then this idea mm. of happiness at work and all of that kind of stuff came up. However, what I will say is uh, when I left my role, I had, you know, I didn't have the intention of I'm leaving now to go and set up my own business. I left without anything else to go to because I was, frankly, I was quite miserable there. And over time, you know, just I felt compelled. I felt kind of called. I when I left my job, I went on to do a career coaching certificate and I thought over the course of a weekend, I'm going to be able to help everyone. I'm going to solve the world's problems <laughs> and help people with their careers. But on that, I met people who had done a longer life and executive coaching diploma. So I could see the difference in their skills versus my skills. So I went on to do that diploma. Um, as I was kind of finishing up that diploma, I, I, during the summer, I had some sort of like, I can only describe it as an epiphany. Um, at one point, I was deciding 
you know, because I had never left a job with nothing else to go to or no kind of excuse or no reason. When I left my job in London, I was moving to Australia. I was traveling and moving to Australia. When I left my job in Australia, it was to go home or to travel. But in Dublin, this was like, this is a new thing for me. You know, I left without anything. So in the run up to, you know, when I was not happy at work and I was doing all this research. I was looking at doing an MBA, but I was also looking at doing this master's in DCU in organisational behaviour. And um, I had an epiphany then, you know, this is probably a couple of years later going, wait a minute, wasn't I looking at that master's? What if I look at that again? So the process was so quick. I looked it up again. I paid the application. I went through the process. I got in and, you know, the irony being, had I gone on to do that, a couple of years prior, I would have graduated with that master's much earlier than than what I did. But uh, I'm so glad that I did that. So during the process of that master's, that's when I set up the business. That kind of reignited my passion for all things data and research and um and like people at work and and understanding people's behaviour and kind of putting people back at the focus of work and. So that's kind of how I've got to where I am yeah. in a very realized now, very roundabout journey or no, very it's, roundabout. It's, it's really good because, I mean, I think for your listeners, it's good for them to hear that, you know, people have squiggly type careers. I think there's a new book yeah. by someone and I think it's called Squiggly. The, yeah, career. yeah. The yeah. Squiggly Career. I've read and, it. Yeah. They have yeah. a podcast as well. And yeah, I think yeah. that when you have shared your background there, it just shows that it's squiggly, right? I mean, yeah. And I think that um, that's good in a way because you learn from the failures sometimes. And, you know, when I say failures, you know, that role in Australia sounded like it didn't work out. You didn't enjoy it. And it's sometimes you need those moments because then it drives you yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. And then even well, to, well, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny, Carl, because I liked the people and I liked the role and I was damn good at it, if, even yes. if I say so myself, you know. And um, I can see now when I look back, having done the research for my master's, understanding a little bit more about people and mm. human behaviour at work and all of those things, it was my needs that were being frustrated. Yeah. So this we have this universal need for autonomy. And when you're being micromanaged, you have no autonomy. Like my boss used to go in and have a look at my calendar and say, oh, well, it looks like you have nothing on. You've no work today. So here's a whole load of work. And I thought that's not how I manage my workload. I write it down on a piece of paper and here's all of the work that I'm doing. And there were times that I was given work and I ended up staying in the office way later than anyone else. And I would just go into a room, you know, and have a little cry, to be perfectly honest, because I was feeling so frustrated, so micromanaged and just, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. Um, and I think that's probably a huge problem, generally speaking, in work, that if you're having a problem, who can you talk to? Is it your manager? Like, is your manager open to that? Or is it, if you have a problem with your manager, is their boss going to take their side? You know, yes. there's all of these kind of I think it's a and really, it's a very interesting point because you and I have chatted about that before as well. And um, interestingly enough, I had a lady on my podcast recently called Tessa West and we talked about micromanagers, interestingly. Mm. And um, she's got a book, which I have, a, you can see all the post-it notes in because I love it. And she, her book is called Jerks at Work. And she says mm. there's seven types of jerks at work. And one is the micromanager. The most dangerous yeah. is the gaslighter. 
And oh, yeah, she, yeah. But, but, to, but to your point about the micromanager, that's terrible that you felt like that. I mean, micromanagers, mm. I mean, what I talked about with her is, um, with Tessa, micromanagers, they, they, I found when I worked for a micromanager, I don't know if this happened to you, but I almost became a micromanager. And because Tessa actually says it's the most contagious of all yeah. styles, because if yeah. you're being micromanaged and you've got a team then below you, you're like, oh, God, he needs this, she needs that. <laughs> you tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I yeah, think it's great. Yeah. It's you so know, interesting. It's in, I'm I'm coming back now to um, one of my next questions because you kind of answered there a little bit. But yeah, you, know, you started the podcast and the business and yeah. you, you touched on a little bit. So the, the purpose what's your purpose statement for the business and the, and the kind of podcast? It's like, what's like, you know, what, what's, what, what do you say when someone asks you the purpose of your business? What, what yeah, do you say? it's kind of what's, it's what's my why. Yes. Yeah. Well, there, I suppose there's, there's a couple of ways to answer that, but, but before I go on to that, I wanted to touch on another point on this. Oh yeah. Um, go for it the frustration piece in Australia. And I think more than anything, it might have been a values clash as well. Like the importance of values is so, so strong. Um, but when when you are made promises and those promises are not fulfilled or those promises are not lived up to, like that's a huge area of frustration for me. And I'm noticing that even in my own business, when people say they'll do something and they don't, it causes a lot of frustration for me. Um, anyway, back to this idea of the purpose. So I suppose for me, to be perfectly honest, when I started the podcast, I probably didn't have a clear purpose in mind. I knew I'm a huge podcast listener. Um, mm. I absolutely love podcasts. I think it's a fantastic way to digest information. I still yes. continue to listen to loads and loads of different podcasts. And so I, I, I thought podcast is the obvious thing for me to do. And also... I have this message that I want to get out there that, you know, work doesn't have to suck, that that work can be OK and you can have, ha you know, happiness at work. And as I shared from my kind of earlier previous experiences, I was actually really happy at work in those organisations. Um, so that's kind of from the podcast perspective. And I feel like the business has evolved over time. So on the one hand, when I started, it was like, I want to change the world through helping people with their careers. Um, but with my corporate background, it was like, I'm selling myself short a little bit here because I know that I can help companies as well. Mm. And I, you know, and with this, um, with the masters that I did as well and the research and my background in data analytics and research, I can help companies to use their own information or, you know, use publicly available research information that I carry out as well to help them make better decisions. And I think, and we've talked about this before, yeah. Carl, and it's probably something I've never touched on on the podcast before, but the ultimate goal for me is finding some sort of a matching solution between people and organisations. But based on, I think there's, there's companies out there that do it based on skills, but yes. like when I did the research, skills are the least important factor when it comes to feeling whether or not you belong at work. And actually the most important uh, from a hiring perspective are values, but then from yes. a retention perspective is needs satisfaction. So if you want to keep people in a role, if you want to keep your top talent, you need to make sure that their needs are being satisfied. So 
Um, that's the ultimate goal of where I want to get to is some sort of a tech solution for matching people with organisations. So, you know, and I suppose that springs from if I <clears throat> had had that situation in Sydney, if I had maybe uh, some sort of a values profile of the organisation itself or the the managers or the leaders in the organisation versus a values profile of me, it might have said, well, actually, there's a there's a mismatch here and you're not going to feel uh, fulfilled. You're not going to feel like you're thriving in this environment yeah. because there's too much of a mismatch here. I and think then it's a in, fantastic, it, you know, when you talk through your you know, your broader business, because obviously when, when you and I've chatted before, I've always been intrigued by that because I think yeah. to, I think there's two sides to it, right? I mean, for the person, the individual to know whether their values are aligned with a company is a big tick, but also I think yeah. companies to know whether the person they're taking on is aligned to potentially their values. You know, exactly. I mean, my experiences in financial services, you know, the banks got a terrible reputation over the years. And I I um, obviously worked there. I'm proud of working at the banks. But sometimes some people maybe had the wrong values. And when they came and worked for the company, they had a real impact on the, yeah. um, the brand of those companies because they had the wrong values. And now the banks yeah. in particular, ones I've worked in, they put a real focus on on behaviors first um yeah you know organizations it's like we've got to have people with the right behaviors here because yeah. ultimately you know they are our brand and if we have the wrong people in it can cause a huge issue so i see huge benefit essentially from yeah. what you want to do because yeah. it helps the individual and in some cases helps the organization yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, even going beyond that, like, is there a way to, for want of a better word, to avoid hiring assholes? Yeah. I'm sure people who are listening today, and I'm sure like I certainly have worked with assholes. I'm sure you have too, Carl. Um, One or two. <laughs> and I'm reading a book at the moment all about all about that. Is and, that, you know, how to avoid called? hiring. Uh, I have to turn around now and have a look. It's called... called the no asshole rule oh my god this is so funny i got a text this morning about that book <laughs> from yeah. uh, an ex-colleague i used to manage her puja she sent me a message this morning going you need to get uh read daniel pink um he's just come out with a new book called the no asshole rule and she said it's 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 amazing no, the, well, the one I'm reading is Robert Sutton and it's oh, it's an older book, oh, but Daniel Pink. Daniel yeah, Pink. Yeah, he wrote oh, Drive. Yeah, so he's got a new book out and it launched called. today called The No Asshole Rule. And that's what she told me anyway. She said, I think oh. it launched today. Daniel Pink. Okay. Anyway. But I must check that out. I agree. <laughs> you don't want to. Well, the story really is, as you said, you know, companies don't want to have assholes in there. It actually ends up yeah. costing a lot of money for companies yeah. if yeah. they have bullying cases or any, you know, yeah. like if you... Exactly. Have, to me, if you hire a bad leader, it has a huge ramifications. Yeah. Like, you know, particularly yeah. the yeah. leadership level because they they can impact so many people. Yeah. And I see a huge shift in how leaders are approaching things. I see more authenticity and vulnerability shining through yes. in in the companies that are really leading the way in this space, if you like. And I think, and you know, another 
kind of facet of that and something that we talked about, I was going to say a lot, maybe not a lot, but we talked about it a little bit during the Masters was this idea of um, psychopaths. And there's a lot of psychopaths actually that can <gasps> kind of work their way to the top of organisations. And I think yes. there's a the CEO's over index on the psychopath test and things like that. So like just, I mean, I was going to say maybe avoid hiring psychopaths, but maybe sometimes in in small doses or if they're being managed correctly, if they're not surrounded by other psychopaths, then it's okay. Um, But just knowing that profile within your organisation of what the values of the people are. But also, you know, I don't want to dismiss um, strengths either. I think strengths are really important. Skills, maybe not so much. And this idea of experience, and I have 10 years of experience of doing this, like, I mean, that's, let's call that out. That's total bullshit because you might have 10 years of, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, you know, 10 years of custody experience where you haven't had any issues whatsoever. You haven't learned anything. You can't necessarily apply what you've done. You can't take things from one context to another context. You know, there's so many different facets to that I think yeah well, you often hear yeah. the phrase like you hire for attitude like you know it's yeah skills you can train train people. for skill you can yeah, train absolutely. skills but the yeah. attitudes I mean yeah. I've hired a lot of people over my career and sometimes I've gotten it wrong I put my yeah. hand up I've gotten it wrong yeah. and you've got to be careful sometimes you hire people like yourself and that's not always good yeah because yeah yeah bring yeah. different people in but to your yeah. point about um you like I've always personally hired people for attitude energy I think you know you can I get a good sense of someone I go okay this is a good energy their attitude is good and even sometimes you know you mentioned your trip and when you were talking about your background I actually like people that have had that share with me okay well I had a bad experience here I went off and I did this I go great tell me more about that because Actually, you want you want people. It's a piece of kind of self-reflection or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think going back to your point as well, like this idea of hiring for attitude, but and, and not hiring people necessarily like yourself. That's where the values piece comes in, yes. I think. And and knowing in advance, like rather than having to invest all of that time in interviewing, knowing in advance that this person is likely a good match for our organization. But also like sometimes when you the perception is that if people's values are all aligned, that there is no diverse thinking. And that's also causes stagnation in organisations. So testing for diversity of thought, like do people think differently, you know, and they might think differently if they're from a different industry, for example, they might have similar values, but they're from a different industry, you know, there's all of these great things. So that's, you know, talking about the um, where the business is now and where I want to get to, like I offer at the moment uh, a range of programs. I offer speaking. I do yes. uh, quite a lot of speaking, actually, uh, training and workshops. Um, I've recently launched my Imposter 2 Empowered program into corporates. And I am in the process of launching the Happier at Work program, which will eventually become this tech solution. So this matching of values, looking at needs, looking at leadership, looking at personality profiles at work, you know, all of the things that are really important for retention in this day and age of the great resignation. 
I love it. I got, you know, I wish um, you were, well, I wish uh, if I was still in my old company, I'd be getting you in to do a pilot with us on the value piece. So I um, I hope uh, whoever you're doing it with in Ireland or who, if you're looking for people to do pilots, I'm sure you'd... Are, I'm still are you looking, looking for yeah, people to yeah. do pilots with you or not? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looking for, yeah. And I posted on LinkedIn recently um, and yeah, there's still some room for people to do pilots with me if they want to. pilots yeah, are absolutely. so good. I mean, Eve and I, and no, I'm a big fan of pilots. It's such a good way to test something for you as well, Eve. Yeah. And obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. for an organisation because they can um, co-create it with you. But exactly. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are the co, they're the co-creators of this, you know, and it's getting that feedback. They get the benefit of under a better understanding of what's going on and what they can do and how they can retain their staff essentially exactly and it's so critical but we're going to shift gears slightly now um yeah tell, great. Us, tell me when you are happiest at work like when do you when are you in the zone or what's that phrase they say you're in flow you've got your flow yeah. going when is that do you know what it's there's a few things. I'm a total and utter data geek. I know. So <laughs> when I was doing my research for my dissertation, like I totally got lost in all of that. And, and I mean that in a good way, like yeah. I wasn't lost in the data, but I just I lost time because I was in and I was trying to figure things out and trying to slice things in slightly different ways to see if it gave me different answers like that's really that really lights me up. I really like that. And this um, is where Eve and I are very different. That yeah. Eve and I were chatting uh, <laughs> what, a few weeks back. I was like, Jesus, I mean, I like, the, I love having people in the team who are good at the data, but I'm not the data yeah. person. So she is, she is yeah. the data queen. And you know what? It's yeah. such a great skill, Eva. You should be delighted mm. that that's what gives you yeah. flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely, yeah, love that. But like, I suppose there's other aspects to the happiness at work. And, you know, I have to practice what I preach. It's what I preach. It's living my core values. So making sure that my Mm -hmm. values align with the people that I interact with, with the people that I work with, making sure I'm clear on my values and that I'm living those values as well. Um, The need satisfaction piece. So that's understanding what my needs are and ensuring that my needs are being satisfied. Uh, working to my strengths. So, you know, I talked about the the data piece, but I think relationships with people at work as well are really, really important. And finding people who you get on with, finding people that you click with, that's one of the loneliest things I find at the moment is that, you know, I I, I can't just lift my head and, and look around in an office and ask someone a question or just connect with someone or, or, or take a stroll outside for a coffee or something like that, you know. Just being surrounded by people, I think, is 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 something I really miss at the moment. Well, there's a um, lot of studies yeah. on that as well, isn't there? I mean, I, I was talking to someone on my podcast as well, Bruce Daisley, the other day, and Bruce was yeah. the CEO of Twitter. And um, yes. I think it was he was saying that actually having a friend at work is one of the key things to help with happiness at work. That's, so, that's what Gallup talk about, yeah, yeah, in their engagement surveys, having a best friend at work. Yeah, mm. yeah. It makes such a difference. So, okay, it sounds in summary, you're happiest when you are flying through data like crazy. I just have an image of you (laughs) with just 
formulas and everything going crazy. And just trying to solve, I think trying to solve problems really is, mm. is how you could probably summarize it. So whatever that might be, and I have talked about this briefly before on the podcast, but being able to identify what a problem is and then provide a solution to that problem, I think that's where I get really lit up. So that's when the old, uh, you're at your best. Well, now, yes. the other thing I want to ask you was uh, hobbies outside of work and how do you oh, wind yeah. down? Yeah. Like, you know, what, what are your, what are some of your hobbies outside of work? Because I'm sure the listeners would love to know that. And and do you know what? Like, it seems, when people ask me that, it's, it's kind of hard to think because in the last two years, it feels like, you know, have we had time or have we had opportunity for our hobbies? I mean, there's loads of stuff I suppose I'm interested in. I'm in a, a camera club, so a photography oh. club in here in uh, Dublin, near where I live. I love taking photographs. Um, I don't want to tell you, or maybe I'm afraid to tell you how many photos I have on my phone. It's like 40,000 or something. When I went traveling, I had my big camera, so my DSLR. Um, I had my phone. I had uh, a, a kind of point and shoot little camera, but I also had an underwater camera, which was capable, you know, that was doing my panoramics and all of this kind of stuff. So I love photography I love baking I love going to the cinema and like watching classic movies and old movies um uh I do running to keep fit I do a bit of yoga pilates wow. swimming now I say all of this I don't do it all at once and it's you know it's fallen by the wayside slightly I think it was easier to do running and stuff during the pandemic um and I also saw that what you- else Yes. When you were away on your, you were off for a week last week and I yes. love your email response, you're out of office. You were like, you were practicing what you <laughs> preach and you were yeah. not on email. So it sounds like you, you are an advocate for giving yourself a digital detox every now and again. Well, it's it's funny you say that because that's, I think, the first time I had properly done that. So anytime I had taken a holiday prior to that, I had my laptop with me. I could access emails in some way, even if there wasn't Wi-Fi, I could do a hotspot on my phone or something. So the reality is in the last three years, that's the first time I've taken probably a proper, proper break. And speaking of digital detox, I did take off all of the apps off my phone. So I took off Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter, they're the kind of time sucks for me, yes. if you like. Instagram, especially, I think if I go down that rabbit hole and I'm looking at what other people are up to and looking through stories and, um, you know, like I, I enjoy it as a platform, but it takes up a lot of my time. So when I, I took them all off my phone, I am reluctant to put them back on. So I'm home now nearly a week and I'm reluctant to put them back on my phone. Wow. Well done, mm. you. My God. I mean, we all go down those bloody rabbit holes it's hard to get back out of them and and I think sometimes it can be almost depressing you go you look at these things and you go god everyone else seems to be doing all this stuff and I'm not doing anything and then you go yes. well actually they're probably comparison yeah, yeah. they're yeah. putting out their highlight reels they're and everything out their and like people might yeah you don't see the they don't put up the stuff where like I'm a bad day at work and you know yeah. uh, this so, to be honest some, some people do yeah, oh, I see God, some I people never doing see that. that. Mm. And it makes them more relatable, I think, when they say, oh, well, actually, I'm, you know, this is the reality or this is Instagram versus reality, you know, and show like, here's the Instagram picture and here's actually, here's what it took to get that Instagram picture or here's the background of that Instagram picture or something like that. I love mm. that. Now, I've got another question for you, just in case yeah. you were relaxing too much there. I can't oh, have no. that. Um, <laughs> so you've, you've, you've done now over 100 episodes 
This is episode 101, yeah, yeah. Episode 101, wow. So, what? I mean, I've listened to your show, I love the show, and I've lots of takeaways from the show, but um, what's your number one takeaway um, yeah. from all the guests you've had? Like, what, what was one that really stood out, or one guest, or you can answer it whatever way you want. What, what have you taken as, as a number one from the podcast? I think there's a few different ways to answer that and I'll answer it from a podcaster perspective first of all and I think that's the perspective that I've asked people to be on the show who I never thought would say yes Mm. I was like I'm chancing my arm here there's no way this person is going to say yes to my little old podcast over here in Ireland and I asked the question and I got a positive response so I suppose like the lesson from that is just ask, like if yeah. you can think of it or if you have someone in mind, just go for it and, and just actually ask Um, to the point that what happened recently or like in the last year, I think it was that I was approached by um the PR person for Edgar Shine. And you might recognise that name. Yes. Um, so Edgar and his son, Peter, were guests on my podcast. But that wasn't me reaching out to them because in my wildest dreams, I would never have thought of asking them because I just thought that's so far beyond. But they actually approached me and I was... Wow absolutely honoured and so flattered. Um, so that's kind of from from that perspective. I think the the more general perspective of what comes through and this, if people have listened to episode 100, the highlights episode, um, the question I ask everyone is what makes you happier at work? And, and really what comes through is the impact that people have on other people. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the general consensus of what makes people happy is how they are having an impact on someone else and how they can help other people. It's not about themselves. It's about the impact that they're having on the world. Um, so that's the kind of second. And I suppose one thing that that springs to mind in relation to, it was quite a, an early episode and it was about happiness at work. And this is, I don't know, was this the first time it came up? It might have been the first time it came up in relation to work. And that's the idea of gratitude and being grateful and thinking about what, and sorry, I'll mention the name as well. It's Amelia Simon Thomas. And she talks about this, um, the approach to, she works for the the Greater Good Science Institute, I think it's called, in Berkeley in California. And just this idea of being grateful. So like, I suppose I, I you can think of it in a few different ways. Is it like I, I had a bit of a crappy day? So what are the good things to come out from that day? Or what are the lessons that I can take from it? Or saying thank you. So like the power in a manager saying, thank you, I know you've been working hard or thank you, I know you're just doing your job, but you're doing a good job. Thank you, you know, just the power of gratitude, I think is something that really stands out. I love that. I love that. And I would say a lot of people are grateful to you for um, creating your podcast. (laughs) Thank you. It's so funny, Carl, because, and you'll know this yourself, sometimes it feels like you're speaking into the void. Oftentimes I'm recording, I'm on my own, I'm, you know, in a bedroom, I'm connected with someone on Zoom, most likely, which is great. But it can feel like you're just speaking into the abyss. And, um, you know, I posted recently about hitting 40,000 listens, which I'm absolutely Amazing. delighted with. And, and you know, I do, of course, I'm like any other person. I call into question, like, am I having an impact? Am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? And really, it's, um, you know, people responded and said, keep 
just keep going. And that's enough for me. That's yeah. enough to say, you know, keep doing what you're doing. It's, you know. I'm I like, think you oh, do okay. such a great job with it because as well, you you summarise, which some podcasts I find, you know, they there's a chat or whatever happening. But I like that you summarise at the end. I mm. I like to do that on mine and I appreciate that in yours because yeah. I go, okay, well, at least I've got some takeaways. I can do something tomorrow with this, which yeah. is why I like your podcast so much. Yeah. And you, you, you do a great job then of sharing the notes on LinkedIn and everywhere. It's really good. Thank so you. you should be really proud Thanks. of yourself. Thank you. And interestingly, that kind of synopsis that summarizing is a strength I never knew that I had. So it's probably something I don't know, is it something I developed over time? But it's um, like being able to synthesize information. So being able yeah. to take a huge amount of information and pull out the key points and make it into a story or make it into something relevant. That's something that I didn't know was a strength or I didn't know that other people couldn't do that or I didn't know that I was particularly good at that. So well, that was the number one that reason out. that I stayed listening to your podcast, to be honest, like I've been listening wow. for a long time and yeah. we only connected relatively recently. Um, the first of all, the topic really interests me happier at work. My podcast is better at work. I'm about yeah. I, I'm a kind of a. I love the whole, how do we make work better tomorrow than yesterday? How do we make the staff yeah, more yeah, engaged, yeah. etc.? Yeah. So when I saw your podcast, Happier Work, I'm like, mm, I like the sound of this. And once I yeah. discovered it, I was like, God, she's doing, and I, and I have to say, I was like, well, <laughs> this is really good in Ireland. You know, like not like, it was great that it was, I, when I saw that you were Irish, I was like, like an, oh, Irish yeah, an Irish doing person, this. I yeah. was even happier yeah, yeah. then. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and you do, you do a great job of synthesizing and all of that. I, I love it. But I'm going to ask you. you another question in relation to the podcast. Is there anything you'd have done differently? Yeah, I think when I touched on it at the start that I felt like I didn't really have a purpose. I like mm. When I started, I put out a trailer and I think about a month later, then I started putting out episodes and um, I give a shout out to Firkan, who was my first uh, podcast guest. And I think I was even a, a bit embarrassed to say that you're you're my first podcast guest. So I didn't want to kind of give the game away like, oh, this is this is my very first time to do this. And um, but she said afterwards, oh, am I your first podcast guest? And I was like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she was my first guest. And I think if I had a bit more um clarity a bit like I mean it's evolved over time I've been doing it for about two and a half years at this stage and I have all of these systems and processes in place to make things hugely efficient for my guests so when they sign up there's no back and forth emails it's all done in a really systemized way um, and I love that um, but I think if I had a clearer vision of like this is where I want to go with the podcast this is what I want to say it's evolved over time like I say I knew I had a message I wanted to share when my first few episodes, I reached out to people within my network. Now I get requests from people all over the world who want to be on the podcast, which is incredible. Amazing. Um, and again, there's a process for kind of applying all of that. Um, but I think, yeah, it's kind of evolved now that that there's four key pillars and like people talk an awful lot about well-being at work. And I know we've touched on that yeah. in our discussion, Cahill, where I think like not that well-being is the bad thing, but but well-being is not the root cause of what's not right at work. I think you need to get other things right first before you you kind of start talking about well-being. So I've moved away from this idea of well-being on the podcast. I want to focus more on on the kind of the four pillars that I see as really, really important to culture and and creating those better working environments before starting to think about um, well-being. I think well-being is kind of 
the thing that comes next. Yeah, I love that. I love that because it's, I think what you're thinking is you, you don't want to put the, the cart before the horse. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, you almost, can't put like, it's, yeah. it's like putting a plaster over a gaping wound. You need to fix yeah. the, the wound first with other stuff. You need to get the the values piece right. You need to make sure people's needs are being satisfied at work. And then you can start thinking about like in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, but in my mind, a lot what a, a lot of organisations do in relation to well-being is things like like what we would have had is like someone coming in to do yoga with us, yeah. talking about nutrition, doing like um, dental hygiene, all of those kinds of things. But, you know, and and now I've since I've left the corporate life, you know, uh, I've seen a lot more stuff around mental health, which is yeah. brilliant, which is great. And a lot more people talking more openly about that. Um, but I but I think it's important to get the, the basics right first before you start looking. At I those. love that because you're almost going right. We need to get to the root cause. The root cause. What, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So and that's that's my entire career history. Yeah. So like, you're, it's kind of your data cause. side. Right. So it mm, sounds like what totally. has evolved is you've gone. Actually, I need to do the I've root. I've gone back course. to my roots. <laughs> yeah, you've gone back to your roots. That's a tagline yeah. for you now. Um, you know, you've <laughs> gone back to your roots. And I love that because I do agree, right? You know, wellness programs and everything. If you've got a bad manager, I mean, wellness programs aren't going to make a blind bit of difference because you're still going to have exactly. this Sunday night feeling of going, yeah. oh, God, I've got to go in there tomorrow. And she sick. or he yeah. is a nightmare. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's a bigger issue than, mm. oh, I'm going in tomorrow, but there's a yoga class at 10.30 at least. Yeah. And then, yeah, but if you've got yeah. a boss who's like going... Or I don't have time to do these wellness programs. Yes. I don't have time or I don't know who to reach out or I don't know how to use them. Yes, I yeah. totally agree. So thank you. Yeah. So, that was really good to hear that one about. So uh, I love that. You're basically saying you might have, you've, you, you've sharpened your purpose as, yeah, absolutely. As you've gone yeah. through over a hundred episodes, and, yeah. and you know what? How exciting! Um, how exciting for the next hundred episodes! It sounds like it's going to be <laughs> well, very scary now when you start talking about that. <laughs> and you're going to be going back to your roots. Maybe that's what you should do as the ad for the next hundred. Back to our <laughs> roots, purpose driven. <laughs> yeah, this is. It. This is. Now it. I had uh, I had one other question for you um which is where to next for you Aoife what what what's next for you yeah interesting I think I've sort of touched on that with the question around the yes. kind of the evolution of the business and for me it is like I you know I'm part of a, a couple of entrepreneurship programs at the moment which are really propelling me in this direction and I do want to ultimately get to a tech solution for finding a match between a person and organization now oh. that sounds very broad I have all of obviously the details kind of um, behind that and it's all based on research and I have so many ideas for like the different bolt-ons that, that can help and and I suppose maybe it's touching on it from a well what does this mean for a person or an organisation from a person's perspective it's for me I see it as a tool to manage your career and I think a lot of people either A don't take responsibility for managing their careers they're in a position and they think I see that the next thing is this and they're thinking only within their organization or within the, the role they have. Um, 
So a way to kind of manage your career more effectively and think about the broader picture and work into your strengths and what are your values and, and how do you get your needs satisfied and how, are, how can you become happier at work? So managing your career a little bit more strategically. What skills do I need to take? What skills do I have? What are my skills actually worth in the marketplace at the moment? Are they quite rare or, or you know, are they quite common? So, you know. Then from an organization's perspective, and we, we touched on this earlier, the idea of being able to hire the right people, essentially. Yes. So, you know, and, and hiring the right people. People always say we want the best talent and we want the best. And it's like it's not it's the best for your company is what you want, because if you hire someone who is the best and you have like two superstars and actually there's a real clash of personality or values or something, it can cause a huge amount of conflict, which will Mm. result in lower productivity, resignations, all of this kind of stuff. So from an organization's perspective, it's about making sure, yeah, that you have these the right people. I was just going to say it couldn't be a better time to be doing something like this because I think individuals, COVID has made people really reassess where their oh, lives at. They're looking yeah. for more purpose-driven organizations to work at. And I yeah. love what you're talking about values piece because everyone I talk to, well, particularly here in Sydney, they go, I, my values aren't aligned with that company. Like I really yeah. want... I think people are becoming more aware they're becoming of what their way, values are. Yes. Yeah. They're becoming way more aware. And it is hard sometimes because I feel sorry for companies sometimes because, and this maybe the way I'm saying this isn't correct, but sometimes they have a good set of values, but they might have the wrong people executing those values. They, yeah. So on, I'll touch on that, on the, on the values piece. There's, it's one thing to say what your values are. It's another thing that you live those values yes. and that that's the lived experience of the people in the organization and the behavior that they're witnessing. So if you're saying something like, um, and I'll take inclusion as a value. If you're saying, oh, we value inclusion, but then you're doing something, you're behaving in such a way that creates an us and them environment or you exclude some people in some way or that you have an entire board made up of a particular type of demographic. Yes. And I'll say middle aged white men, because that tends to be, you know, that tends to be the the kind of the normality, the reality for a lot of people. So it's about living the values, not just saying what they are. It's about the lived experience of the people. And and what I do is assess what the values are versus what the lived experience of the people there is. So it's not just about saying what your values are. It's about assessing what your values are and then assessing what the values of the people that you want to bring into the organization are and seeing if it's a good match. And imagine if you, I mean, we, we I was talking about this um, the other day with a friend of mine, like, you know, P&O cruises, um, you know, the way yes. they, they got rid of all those people. Yeah. I'd love yeah, to yeah. see what their values are. What have they laminated? I bet there's something about treat our people fairly. Uh, so yeah. they're certainly not living their values, no, right? Um, no, no. So no. I think, you know, look, I, I'm so excited for the future because I'm excited to hear how you'll you know, continue on your amazing journey. Yeah, um, thank I you. I hope uh, you get, you know, the way you said you e- you get emails or you email guests. I'm excited yeah. for someone to email you and say, hey, we're ready to build this with you, the technology component. So yeah. Yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. Um, if, if that happens, can I come back for that episode? Yeah, that's why I decided to <laughs> kind of talk about it for the first time. I never, ever oh, talk funny. about this on my podcast. And it's, you know, I have all of the information. I'm 
in the process of recruiting people for pilots to, you know, by recruiting, I mean, like just putting it out there to say, like, this is what I want to do. Um, I think I don't believe that exists in the in the context that I'm talking about it. I don't believe it exists at the moment. I've never heard of it. And I've seen a lot of stuff come through that people, you know, are bringing into organisations. So I'm very excited. And when Aoife and I chatted about it a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear who you pilot with or who gets involved because, and I think it's great for the listeners, Aoife, to hear this side of you because Mm. I certainly didn't know this side of you until we chatted more for a few hours on things. And also, I think for your listeners to know that you're going through your own, you've had your squiggly career. You've had your success. It's still a bit squiggly now, Carl. I'm not going to lie. And that's what I was going to say. You know, like, it's still squiggly because it's like, you're, I love the whole, you know, test and... I'm not preaching from a destination like, oh, I finally got here and I'm totally happy at work. It's like, it's an ongoing journey. And I think that's the beauty of a lot of life is that it's, it's, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. I totally agree. And I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear what happens with with that piece next. But I want to say, Aoife, thank you so much for taking the time and to have had the questions turned on you for a change. Um, Thank you for being such a great host and for asking some thought provoking (laughs) questions and just for being you, Carl. Oh, well, no, I really appreciate coming on and I just can't wait for the next hundred episodes. I'm super excited (laughs) and thank you so much. And to everyone in Ireland, as I said, it's lashing rain here in Sydney. So don't feel jealous. We are not happier at work here today. It's lashing down with rain. Thank you so much, Aoife. All the best and and can't wait to see what comes next. There you have it for episode 101 of the Happier at Work podcast. Like I said at the start, something a little bit different, something I haven't done before. And I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, got to know me on a little bit more of a personal note. If you would like to connect with me, you can do so through my website, happieratwork.ie. Feel free to send me an email, Aoife at happieratwork.ie. That's A-O-I-F-E at happieratwork, all one word, dot I-E. Or connect with me through social media, Instagram, happieratwork.ie or Aoife O'Brien on LinkedIn. It's going to be kind of hard to summarise the key points that I have just talked about on the podcast. But just to give kind of a synopsis, I talked about my journey uh, work. I think uh, Cahill mentioned it's kind of a squiggly thing. I still feel like it's a little bit squiggly. I haven't got there yet. I'm, as, I, as I mentioned, I'm not sort of at a destination where I'm talking about like this is the answer to absolutely everything. But it really is about the journey and the journey that I took to get where I am today. And, it, you know, it hasn't been an easy one. And it is all about the journey, really. Um, but I'm grateful for the the experiences that I had because they've put me on the path that I'm on now. And I'm really excited about what the future holds as well. I talked as well about my purpose and how that has sort of evolved over time. I think maybe the way I go about achieving my purpose hasn't necessarily evolved, but it's, you know, this is what I'm here for and how I go about doing it and working to my strengths more and more. 
we talked about things that make me happy at work and and there's there's probably other things that I haven't necessarily mentioned but I always do like to bring it back to this idea of the values the needs and the strengths and I think for me sometimes it's easier to recognize or for some people it's easier to recognize when we're not happy at work and what are the things that are causing that unhappiness at work and then using that to flip and understand more about what would make us happier at work as well. I talked about what I do with companies and how I work with companies and and the future and what my plans are. If you would like to collaborate on anything that I've spoken about, if you would like to reach out and do a pilot, absolutely feel free to do that. I'm always open to connecting with people, always open to hearing from people about anything that they would like to work with me on. I thought I would mention because I felt a little bit under pressure, I think, when I was asked and be, be having just gone through or still in a global pandemic for the last couple of years, that some of the things that people maybe don't know that I don't talk about in relation to what I do in my spare time, I am a huge, huge Simpsons fan. And I feel like I can relate anything in life to back to an episode of The Simpsons. So if something happens, like it always springs to mind something that may have occurred in an episode of The Simpsons. I absolutely love playing board games, especially ones that require a little bit of strategy. And it's it's that kind of problem solving strategic element. I absolutely love that. If it didn't come through from the episode, I adore traveling as well. And having recently been on a plane, I think three times in the last three or four months, just the excitement of being on a plane and traveling somewhere, it's, you know, it's, there's nothing to compare to it. It doesn't even matter where I'm going. Just the excitement of actually traveling, I think, is, um, is brilliant. I'm a huge fan of things, you know, and since I was younger, I've always been a fan of Murder, She Wrote. It's, again, it's that mystery. It's the solving of the problem. It's the getting into and understanding and getting the clues. It Everything ties together, I think. It's this whole uh, data, piecing things together, finding the root cause or finding what the issue or finding who the murderer is, even in the case of Murder, She Wrote. So um, Air Crash Investigations is another one I really, really enjoy. The investigation and finding that root cause of what actually, what went wrong in the air crash and what can we learn from this and what can we do differently next time or what policy needs to change or what behaviour needs to change in order to make this better the next time. So I hope this entire episode gave you a little bit more of a flavour into me, a little bit of maybe not so much behind the scenes, but a little bit more of a, you know, into my personality, a little bit more into my business, into the journey that I've had to date. And as always, I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on this episode and do feel free to reach out. Next week, we are back to business as usual with an interview with the lovely Sarah Courtney. And this is something I have been meaning to talk about on the podcast for quite some time. And it's the idea of supporting women to come back to work after maternity leave in the very broad sense. So uh, Sarah Courtney is a coach and she supports with parents transitioning back into the work after a period of absence. So I really hope you enjoy that episode. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie. 